Happy Monday. You are listening to the Tar Devils Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network, where we talk Duke, UNC, ACC basketball. And welcome into episode 10 of the Tar Devils Podcast. My name is Tyler Rosari, the always objective Duke fan in this duo. And this time, I'm happy to say John is back. I'm actually looking at someone right now. We're actually recording live together for the first time for an important episode. Another good week of basketball. Of course, we'll talk Duke UNC. John, glad to have you back. This way, Tyler, if you make a bad point, I can just cut you off right away. None of this nonsense anymore. <laughs> I can uh, get right to the source here. Yeah, we're excited to record this week. It's a special episode, the UNC Duke preview podcast. Very exciting uh, to have that game this year. Uh, you know, this has been a crazy college basketball season. There's been cancellations. Teams have been taking COVID breaks. But I think once the ball is tipped, uh, it'll be a great opportunity to just get back to normal college basketball. That it, It's it's going to feel normal when UNC or Duke and Duke are playing on Saturday. Yep. So today we're going to first talk about who is playing better right now, Duke or UNC. Then we have a special guest, Tate, from the Titus and Tate podcast. He is also a UNC fan and Duke hater, mm-hmm. so that will be interesting. Two on one. Yes. <laughs> you know... I'll just beat two people down at once. Not a big deal. And then uh, we'll end with talking about what happened um, throughout the week for, uh, for the rest of the teams in the ACC and also our pick for Duke UNC. Yeah, it's going to be an awesome show. Uh, we can lead off by talking about the games that did happen this past week. UNC did not play on Saturday, but Duke had two big wins this week, and UNC also won a game earlier this week. Tyler, do you want to start by just previewing or recapping how Duke did this past week uh, in ACC play. Yep, so Duke's first game was against Georgia Tech. I tweeted out that this team grew up in that game. Hats off to Jose um, Alvarado. I'll talk about him a little bit later, but Duke grew up and beat Georgia Tech. And then Saturday, blew Clemson out, was up by 30-plus in that game, and ended up winning in a blowout. So, John, UNC also had an impressive showing. And they beat Pitt 75-65. From what you've seen this last week and maybe the weeks uh, previously, who is playing better at this moment, Duke or UNC? Yeah, I was all ready to say UNC because UNC is has won six of their last seven games. And then I look at that Duke score yesterday. I know that Clemson has been down, but the way that Duke beat Clemson, they just sort of jumped on him right from the start. Um that made me a little bit nervous as a uh, as a follower of UNC basketball to see Duke playing that well. Uh, it seems like with Jalen Johnson back, Duke is starting to put the pieces together as well. I'm sticking with UNC, though, and here's why. UNC has won six of their last seven games, and that win over Pittsburgh, I think, was a really impressive offensive performance for the Tar Heels. We start to see the Tar Heels playing a little bit more Carolina basketball, a little bit more fast break. So it was good to see North Carolina playing like that. I think that's something that they can keep up over the rest of the season, and it'll help get those guards involved as well. Caleb Love has been playing a little bit better. R.J. Davis, same thing, been playing a little bit better. And those tiny improvements by each of them make huge difference on the margins because UNC has a good front court. So if the back court gets going a little bit, I think this team is trending in the right direction. What about you, Tyler? Who do you think is playing better right now, Duke or UNC? It's crazy because last week Duke was dead in the water. And talk about a reverse of fortune. Now I think 
Duke is easily playing better. Two huge wins. Let's start with the strength of schedule. Duke now has a better couple wins than UNC has. I think a better top two wins than UNC has best win. Look at UNC's wins. Notre Dame, Miami, Cuse, Wake, NC State, and Pittsburgh. Give me Georgia Tech over every one of those teams. I'll even take Clemson over every one of those teams. And UNC's position on the 10 line and the March Madness bracket predictions and Duke's not not in the bubble. I don't understand how that's the case when, John, you're big on Ken Palm. Who's 24th or 26th, I think? UNC's 35th. Duke is 26th. And somehow UNC's in, but Duke isn't. I don't understand that. Duke has the better wins now, which is what everyone was getting on Duke before. No signature win. What does UNC have? NC State? That's not a quality win. Pitt, I think, was good, and then they turn around and lose by 30 to Notre Dame. So obviously now that's not looking like a great win either. So I'm taking Duke's quality wins over UNC. And then let's get in a little deeper. Duke is now settling into their roles. Against Georgia Tech, what happened late game? There's two people that had the ball when it was crunch time. Every possession in the last four minutes. Jalen Johnson, he got a couple and ones, and then Matthew Hurt with his little patented Dirk fadeaway and he, that he made, that I think, that put Duke up for good. Early in the season, Wendell Moore and Jordan Goldwire were the two that had the ball in late game situations. And of course, Duke is losing those games because those are not the closers on this team. Now that Jalen Johnson has played consistently and Duke, this team realizes who the stars are, Hurt and Jalen Johnson, roles are being defined, okay? And they're closing games against a Georgia Tech team who had Jose Alvarado going off. And there is, it's going to be hard-pressed to find a better leader in the ACC than Jose Alvarado right now, especially in that game against Duke. Not only was he doing everything scoring-wise, but Georgia Tech was dead in the water down double digits. And he brought life. You see him screaming on the floor and everything. Yeah, it can get annoying, but also his team responded to it. And clearly showing how strong of a point guard and a leader he is on that team. So hats off to him. I know he can get annoying with his antics sometimes, but I, I respect his game. So Jalen Johnson, I cannot say enough about. He continues to impress me because of the full package he has. One, he's the best post defender we have, which is huge. We desperately needed him back for that. He wipes everything around the rim. He's also Duke's only, literally only good transition player. Because he can finish either going around someone or, like we saw against Clemson, just dunk right on your head. No no one else on Duke can do that. In fact, every, it seems like every other time Duke has a fast break and someone other than Jalen Johnson touches the ball, it's it's a charge going the other way. So thank God Jalen Johnson is back. But the biggest thing for Duke is learning to close, having these roles defined, and they switched some of their biggest weaknesses. They were not getting to the free throw line. Now they're winning at the free throw line. Okay? They they were fouling every possession. Now they're not fouling. They were not having foul trouble the last couple of games. In our two toughest games of the year, we're not fouling and we're turning the tides that way. When I look at UNC, they still turn the ball over. Duke in his last game had nine turnovers against Clemson, 14 against Georgia Tech. UNC has way more turnovers than that. Jordan Goldwire is playing again. 12 assists, one turnover in the last two games for Gold, Jordan Goldwire. And our two toughest games of, of the week, or in the ACC. UNC shooting 50% for the free throw line. Duke was shooting mid-70s to 80% now. So the last point I want to make is this. UNC still has not had a game where all their players gel at the same time. Kessler is not seeing the floor. Anthony Harris is not playing. RJ Davis 
has not played very well recently. Caleb Love just had a bad game when Garrison Brooks, playoff G, finally had a good game. And until I see that, I got to say Duke's playing better. Look at this 30-point win against, damn near 30-point win against Clemson. UNC against Pitt went up like 16 or 20 or so in the second half and looked damn good. And then what happened? Pitt went on like, what, 15-0 run? Something Mm -hmm. like that? Yeah. That is sign of a young team. When Duke jumped out to 20-point lead at halftime, how'd they start the second half? 8-0 run. Killed the game right there. Took their hearts away, going up 30. Right there on two games back-to-back, UNC lets one team back in the game. Duke smells blood in the water, and they end the game. Duke is by far playing the better record right now, or has a better record and playing better basketball right now. You made a lot of good points there about Duke. One point I want to make about UNC, one name you did not mention, I think deserves play tech? shout out. No, not not play tech. In this case, it's Armando Baycott. His last three games, here's his point totals. 18 points, 17 points, and 21 points. It feels like Baycott is turning the corner, and that makes a huge difference for this North Carolina team. Garrison, we've talked a lot about him on this show. He's sort of had an up-and-down senior season, That's to put it kindly. But Baycott, he's a sophomore. He's sort of making one of those mini jumps. It, it feels like we can watch it uh, right in front of our eyes. He's really starting to put, t- put it together on the offensive end. He's playing heavy minutes. He's great on the boards. And he is really efficient around the basket. And I think that makes a huge difference. If North Carolina can get that level of effort out of Baycott for the rest of the season, combined with a little bit better play from the guards, as we've talked about, this is really a different team. I think Baycott's done that all season, though. He's, I've always said Baycott's been your best player throughout the entire season. It shouldn't be the case, but it is. Like, I just don't see Baycott as being someone turning the corner when I think he's already done that from game one. So I don't know if that's something to boast about when he's been the one consistent piece for UNC. I'm looking at his stat, his season high in points he set on January 20th. He had 18 and then he followed it up six days later against Pittsburgh, scoring 21 points. That was another season high for Baycott. So he is—he has been one of the most consistent players for UNC all season. But the last few games, he's taken it even to another level. And I think the other big point here, too, it's a little bit harder to, to quantify this, but just the way that UNC has been playing since Anthony Harris returned, he sort of gave them a spark, and he's allowed them to be a little bit more aggressive on the offensive end attacking more in the fast breaks. I think that makes a huge difference for this team. If they have that element of the fast break to get a few buckets, um, I think that sort of changes it. We really saw that in the second half against Pittsburgh. It was really the best game that I've seen UNC play offensively. So UNC is peaking at the right time. I think that that is a huge thing to be doing at this point in ACC play, especially since the ACC really, as we're going to talk about in later segments more, it's just sort of wide open. There's nobody who's really jumped out and taken the throne in the league this year. Odds that UNC wins the conference? Uh, I don't know about winning the conference. Uh, you're right. UNC has banked up a number of wins. They're 6-3 and three in conference, but they have a lot of tough games left. Um, that's there are both... only tough games ahead. You haven't played a tough game. Yeah. Other than Florida State. Florida State. That was almost a win. That's yep. a key. And lost to Georgia Tech. Almost win there. And lost to NC State to start the year. But the it's it's both a, a blessing and a curse for UNC. UNC has a tough schedule ahead, but it's a huge opportunity 
to get some marquee wins. You've referenced it a couple of times. UNC doesn't have a great quality win. I agree with you, especially in conference play. UNC doesn't have a great win, but there's some opportunities coming up. There's a game against Duke, a game against Virginia on February 13th, a game against Virginia Tech on February 16th, um, and on down the line. There's a couple of big opportunities for UNC coming up to prove themselves, to prove that these recent wins aren't just a fluke. And uh, quickly before we get into our next segment with our special guest, John, yes or no, does Duke deserve to be in the tournament over UNC right now? Okay, Duke being... I say yes or no, John. <laughs> Duke being in the tournament over UNC right now. You just said UNC doesn't have a quality win. That's what you got on Duke for earlier. The answer, I know you're going to rag on me for this. No, Duke does not be, deserve to be in the tournament over UNC. You can argue with the quality of UNC's resume, but I think that UNC still has a stronger NCAA tournament resume than Duke. Coach K would counter and say that all of your non-conference games were canceled. That was a, a, an opportunity to get some to rack up a few additional wins, not quality wins, but just wins in general. Um, I think that Duke has a farther way to go. They're farther off the NCAA bubble than UNC is, so there's no way that Duke should get in over UNC at this point. Now that could which, change, which but. is classic or typical of what the media would say. But you sound like. Just like every uh, other person with the best job in the world. Of course, I'm referring to getting paid to be wrong every year, which is every bracketologist <laughs> on ESPN. I mean, name one time you've seen a bracket that's actually been, or projected bracket has even been close to what we see. So, yeah, um, maybe it has to do with these net rankings, but I don't know why Duke, who now has a better resume than UNC and, and Ken Palm rankings, which you go to, Mr. Analytics. That's true. Duke is ranked, what, 10 spots higher? And yeah. now you're saying Duke does not shouldn't but not be in the tournament over UNC? Okay. Yep. You know, we'll let you have that opinion and Joe Lenardi can preach about Duke not being on the bubble. But a uh, long way to go in the season and we'll see how it ends up. Okay, so we're supposed to have our first very famous guest on the show, Kate Frazier, and this didn't quite work out. We were going to then go back and post and edit out the times that John and I mentioned we had Tate on the show, but we thought it would be more funny for the listeners to actually hear what happened and why he's not on this guest segment like we had planned. So we rescheduled Tate had technical difficulties and we ended up rescheduling for a different time. So hopefully next week Tate can come on uh, post UNC Duke and we can get a, a good guest segment with him. But I think it's funny what happened for the few seconds that Tate was on the line with us. Um, we, we record using this, this blue jeans app and we had waited a while to try to get the connection right. So that Tate could come on the line with us. And he did, he, he jumped on the line in the middle of John and I recording one of our first segments. And so we stopped and, um, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, the name of his podcast is Titus and Tate. They have a very popular, famous podcast, Titus and Tate. Uh, Titus is his, his co-host. That name is first, so it's, it's what, what's going on in my head is I'm thinking Titus. So I, he Tate jumps on the line and I say, what's up, Titus? How are you? And John says, oh, oh, wait, it's Tate. And I was, and I said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of the podcast. And Tate, I think, chuckles a little bit and then hangs up. <laughs> and I look at John and I say, oh, fuck. 
That was it. And John is just bursting out laughing. And I just looked at his face, and I was, he was like, John, you can explain your reaction, but I looked at you, and you were just like, oh, I cannot believe that just happened. <laughs> then, like, five minutes later, you just started bursting out laughing out of nowhere. Like, that did not just happen. <laughs> It's a good it's a good reminder about uh, show business. You know what happens when you're live. You're getting introduced. Um, we're excited to have Tate on at another time. He had some technical difficulties today, but that's a pretty good story. Um, our first uh, big guest of the Tar Devils pod and Tyler. Which I may have screwed me. this up for us, <laughs> <laughs> but it's all good. That's part of what we do here at the Tar Devils pod. We're having fun. It's uh it's not too serious. Um, so everyone can check out Titus and Tate. The podcast. They do a great job. Their podcast is very good. Yeah. They have a sick podcast. So everyone go look that up if you don't listen to it already. And uh, we'll have him on uh, another time. In lieu of that interview, Tyler and I are going to do a little UNC Duke story time. So that was a great story from Tyler there about the first time we tried to interview uh, Tate on the pod. I have another little story about UNC Duke. Um, first of all, UNC Duke, always a big game for Tyler and I growing up together. Whoever won the game had bragging rights at school for the next uh, months, weeks, days, however long it was. I tried to fake sick a couple times. And uh, once social media started, that, that was the end of that. So uh, we got it. We got Tyler pretty good if he uh, came into school because Tyler was the only Duke fan pretty much with your with your I was the only knowledgeable Duke fan if people would claim they were Duke fans but didn't really watch the games yeah you were the only Duke fan who would be roasted if Duke lost because you took it on the chest (laughs) (laughs) yeah but I gave it back I'd give it back (laughs) a lot of fun at the UNC Duke games um our first opportunity to go to a UNC Duke game, and Tyler, I think this is true for you as well, was when we worked as Smith Center ushers. Yes, we were duped. Yes, we uh, we thought we were going to be able to see more of the game than we did, um, but that was a great uh, opportunity. Shout out to Ethan Malowski, who always Hold set on. that up for us. So we are told if we work this game and take tickets, then at halftime we could choose any seat we want in the Dean Dome and be able to watch the game. So we took tickets for the first half, and then all the way up until five minutes left in the game, they stuck us outside waiting to get in and didn't give us any seats. And so everyone that was taking tickets was like, what the hell? We thought we'd get to watch an in-person game. And it was already like a blow. That's when Mason Plumley yeah. was uh, – Marshall was at Duke, and they had won on the – Duke won on the road there. So that was hype. Funny story about that day. I tried to walk in and just take one random seat. I had a Duke shirt on. And one fan said, no way in hell you're sitting here and try to pour his beer on my head. And then I kind of dodged it. And his girlfriend looked at him like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's the UNC Duke game. That's what happened. Yeah, I think I remember that as well. Did we also collect the trash at the end of the the game? Was that? Yes, we were there for hours collecting the trash at the end and cleaning the entire Dean Dome. And we were like, this is not what we signed up for. Yeah. I remember I grabbed some notes from like Dick Vitale and Jay Billis, so I kept those for a while. Those were always really cool. So that was another that was another cool way that we got to interact with the UNC Duke rivalry. And then uh, when I was in school, I got to cover some of the games as a media member, so I had some fun adventures with that. I think I saw a grand total of five UNC Duke games, which was 
incredibly lucky to be able to do two home games my junior and senior year for UNC and two road games for for UNC and then the one game in Charlotte when they played in the ACC tournament um, I think that was the 2019 ACC tournament the year that Zion was in it so the best and biggest memory I have from those games um, I think was the game that that Zion tore his shoe up that was a crazy game um, I think that was in February so this was February 2019 first of all it was just insane hype. I mean, that whole year, Zion just had crazy hype all around him. Um, there was also well some room. Hype. Oh, absolutely! It was an incredible show that season to watch. To watch Duke and to get to see them up close was really cool. Um, there was also some buzz because Obama and a number of other celebrities were in the building. So, for me, I was standing at half court because they let the media go on the court at the beginning of the game. So I'm just sort of standing around, wandering around at half court with my camera. And I turn and I just look and I see there's Spike Lee right there. And it's kind of crazy because I know that he's at half court of all the Knicks games. Um, he's, of course, a famous basketball fan. He was there because the Knicks were hoping to get Zion um, with the number one pick in the following year's draft. They ended up with R.J. Barrett, Tyler's favorite player. Uh, so Not my favorite, but he's playing well. He's playing well. <laughs> So that was cool to see Spike Lee there. He's also just a big basketball fan. My takeaway from that, he was shorter than I thought he was. I was I was much taller than Spike Lee. So that shows you when. Well, the I'll call you five nine. Five ten. Okay, five ten, John. Six six foot on a good <laughs> six day. Six foot in boots, you know. Okay. <laughs> but that showed me that when the NBA players would yell at Spike Lee, they must really be looking down at him because he is tiny uh, <laughs> compared even to, to someone like me. And then, of course, Zion's shoe, it blew out in the first half. And it was sort of a crazy moment. It definitely took the air out of the building, changed the whole game. Um, but I swear, at halftime, the shoe was just sitting under the bench. Um, and it's, it's a pretty maximum security type operation at Duke. But I'm pretty sure the shoe was just sitting there. And there were kind of guards around, of course. But I had my media badge. So I never would do anything. I never, I'm going to be very clear here, I never would have done anything. But the thought did cross my mind that if I just sort of walked that way and then sort of sat on the bench and then just sort of grabbed the shoe, then theoretically, if someone was to do that, they could have gotten the shoe and then sold it on the black market for like a million dollars, probably more. Because that's like an all-time iconic you know, sports memorabilia thing. Of course, I would never do that. But I just, you know, the thought crossed my mind. I was like, that would be an all-time thing. Although I'd probably end up on, like, you know, CNN two hours later after getting arrested. Um, oh, that would have been great clout for our podcast in the future. Yeah. You should have done it. Kid steals Zion shoe and <laughs> then makes a podcast about it. <laughs> we're in the, the Tar Devils pod. Uh, one of the episodes or one of the hosts is from jail. This <laughs> <laughs> He's called in from jail every episode. Live serving out my three to five year sentence for <laughs> dealing a big thing like that. Um, and, and then Obama. The ball on this one. Yeah. And then Obama was also there, which was super cool. Um, he walked in early on and everyone was sort of, all the cameras were around him. It was, it was a cool moment to see him sort of working the crowd. He took up residence 
on the baseline because um, he had, of course, courtside seats. So he was sort of sitting on the baseline. I had my opportunity to sit near him and sit near on the floor of the UNC Duke game. The photographer right in front of him, uh, usually a photographer, if they're shooting for like a wire service, they'll leave with like four minutes left in the half to go and submit their photos to the wire. So the spot was blank. There was nobody sitting in his spot for four minutes at the end of the first half. So what I could have done is use my press pass to go and sit right in the spot, like sitting six inches away from Obama. And I probably could have gotten away with that one. I wouldn't have gone to prison for that. That would have been relatively normal for someone to do. But I decided it was too, it was not worth the risk to get in trouble potentially for that too. And I just decided to let that one ride. So that was my chance to sit super close to Obama and also sit on the floor of the UNC Duke game in, in that specific instance. But I also let that moment pass by. So some cool UNC Duke stories. Um, this season, of course, they'll be a little bit different, the pandemic game. So there'll be some new stories. Um, I'm sure it'll be super weird for those in attendance this year too. Um, but uh, whatever happens in that game, it'll be exciting. Uh, we're going to preview it a little bit more in our third segment. So now let's get to our picks for the UNC Duke game. Okay, so elsewhere in the ACC, another big week of basketball. Clemson had just taken down Louisville 54-50 before they lost to Duke. Virginia Tech, in-state rivalry, they beat UVA 65-51, a game that I called last week and thought Virginia, Virginia Tech would pull it out, hands UVA its first loss in conference. That was without Radford, by the way, who is their most complete player on that team. Coach K against uh, when Virginia Tech played Duke, said Radford was the best player on the floor. They beat UVA without him. Pretty impressive. Then Georgia Tech continues to do me well. Loses to Duke on Tuesday. Thank goodness. It then turns around and beats FSU 76-65. to 50, or 65. Another big win for Georgia Tech. Um, a big win for Duke over them as well. And then somehow Notre Dame beats Pitt 84-58. to 58. Don't know how that happened or where that came from. Notre Dame is an awful team. Pitt has played very well, but sometimes Pitt gets to these lulls, I guess, and they get blown out almost by 30 points to Notre Dame. I don't know where that came from. Next week, we have Duke-Miami. I think that's a trap game. Duke is on a big high right now. They're looking forward to UNC and Duke that Saturday, this next Saturday. Miami has some players that can take over, so... Hopefully Duke is awake for that game. I would not be surprised if that's a classic trap game loss for Duke. Hopefully it doesn't happen. Georgia Tech then plays Louisville, another big game. Clemson and UNC will play as well. And then Saturday, UVA-Louisville, big-time matchup. And, of course, Duke-UNC play at Cameron Indoor at 6 p.m. ESPN. Got to tune in. We're also going to do the Locker Room app live right after that game, and we'll have that segment on for next week's episode. So please join us after Duke UNC. Immediately following, we'll um, turn on the live portion of the locker room app and get some fan interaction. We are now going to pick the big game of the week, of course. Saturday, February 6th, Duke hosting the Tar Heels. This is, of course, going to be one of the most unique UNC Duke games in all of history because there's no crowd. We've gotten so accustomed to the Cameron Crazies, the Dean Dome, that noise makes an impact on the game. So we're going to have essentially 
uh, a neutral site UNC Duke game. Even when UNC and Duke play in Charlotte, there seems to be some sort of you know road type atmosphere for one team or the other, or the team can sort of build off the crowd. So it'll be really interesting to see what a UNC Duke rivalry game uh, looks like in this pandemic without any fans there. So Tyler, who you got UNC at Duke on Saturday? Yeah, I'm interested in your take too, John. So I think this game really is going to come down to foul trouble. UNC has big bodies they can throw in. You have Brooks, Kessler, Dayron Sharp, and Baycott. Duke really doesn't have any big bodies that are you know, liable, in my opinion. They need Jalen Johnson to not have foul trouble. He is the do-it-all person for this team. If he gets in foul trouble, Duke is just going to have a big hole that they can't overcome. But on the flip side, I don't think that the UNC Bigs can guard Duke's two best players in Johnson and Hurt. I think Hurt has a monster game. I think Jalen Johnson does as well. Duke somehow has turned the tide very quickly in their foul and their uh, foul troubles this year. They were not only fouling a ton, not that they were you know, bad calls from the rest, they just couldn't play defense without fouling, but they wouldn't get to the free throw line either. And now they reverse that. They're not fouling that much, and they are getting to the free throw line. I'm hoping this trend continues. I think that UNC's ability or inability to make free throws, again, they shot 50%, I think, against Pitt, and their... Constant turnovers is what's going to do UNC in. I think they get off to a big start because Duke is going to really struggle with UNC's physicality down low. And I think after halftime, Coach K is going to wake the team up, tell them to grow a pair and battle down low. And I think Duke is going not only going to have a much stronger second half, but I think they're going to make UNC turn the ball over a ton. I think UNC is going to miss a lot of free throws and Duke is going to come back and win this game. All right, no surprise, Tyler, with the pick there. I'm going to disagree with you, of course, naturally, but here's why. I think this game is all about the timing, when it's being played in the season. Earlier on in the season, especially in the first few weeks, when Jalen Johnson was 100% healthy and Duke was rolling at the beginning of the year, I did not have much confidence in this UNC team to beat Duke. But as the season has gone along, I think UNC has been playing a lot better the last few weeks. A big part of that is Anthony Harris's return. But I feel like all the pieces for North Carolina are starting to come together a little bit more. UNC has won six of their last seven games, which isn't nothing. I think they're going to beat Clemson earlier in the week before this Duke game. I think they're going to come into the Duke game motivated, hungry. And the fact that there's no road environment helps UNC a ton. It sort of takes that whole element out of the game. Otherwise, going into Cameron to beat a Duke team is very challenging. But without that, I'm picking the Tar Heels. I feel pretty confident in that the UNC Tar Heels will roll over Duke in the first matchup this season between the you know, Duke, Duke and UNC. Yes, Anthony Harris's seven minutes a game is a huge boost for UNC. I'm, I'm sure of that. Also, UNC winning all these games against the bottom barrel teams in the ACC. What's UNC's best win? State? Pitt? I mean, Ken Palmer thinks that's state. So I don't know if I'm putting much stock into that. Duke has better quality wins now. Dayron Sharp, RJ Davis, Caleb Love, they have not come together. They have not played well together in the same game. They've played well separately. So I still don't think UNC is there yet. 
They have people. Garrison had his first good game, but then Daron Sharp has six points. Kessler can't even touch the floor now. Anthony Harris is not playing much. I still don't think UNC is there yet. I got to go with Duke. What you're telling me, Tyler, is it sounds like it's going to be the perfect moment when all the pieces come together, the puzzle fits <laughs> together perfectly, and this is going to be the game. The and Duke Roy game. actually coaches the game well for once. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that happens too. Exactly. Hey, no matter what happens, we will discuss it live on the Locker Room app after the game. We'll also have a full recap on the following week's Tar Devils pod. No matter what happens, win or lose, I feel like one of us, either me or Tyler, will be a lot happier magically uh, next Sunday when we're recording. One of us may not show up. We'll see. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Tyler, you want to tell people where they can listen to us, uh, take us out? Yes, sir. So you can follow us. Please follow us at Tar Devils Pod on Twitter. Remember to tune in to the Locker Room app after this game. It should be around 8 p.m. on Saturday night. And remember to subscribe and always listen on either Spotify um, you can look up Tar Devils Podcast or on Apple Apple Podcast. Um, we're also there. Thank you for listening. Can't wait to talk to you all on the locker room app following Duke UNC. Yeah, enjoy the game.